If you have your Bibles this morning, the Bible says in Psalms 51, verse 12, it said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Heavenly Father, once again we bow our head this morning, Lord, in honor to give you the praise and the glory forever. Lord, we are so thankful, Lord, for those that served in the service of any kind, the law officers, whatever it may be, those that served in the past many years, as my dad did and many others, that we may be free here in this country. Father, we're so thankful for them, so thankful for them over there still. God today is upholding God, your belief and your ways. Father, we just thank you this morning for each and every one that's come this way this morning. Lord, I pray that we'll all have an attendance here this morning to hear and a heart to receive this morning, Lord, as we look into your word. Lord, I call upon you once again this morning, Lord, to be with me, strengthen me, and be my help as you promised you would. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll take this servant of yours this morning, God, and use him to God, not for his glory, but for your glory. And Lord, I'll never fail to bow my head and give you the praise. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. And all God's people said, Amen. Now, I want to get back over here in a little bit. But before I do, I want to, this was a prayer of David. And I want to go over to 2 Samuel chapter 11. And I want to start reading right there at the first verse. And I'm going to read quite a bit here this morning. And then I'm going to bring it all together. And you will see really plainly what happened and what took place. And it's sort of a warning for us today. Sort of a warning for us today. And the Bible said, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon, and besieged Rabbi. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. I want to stop right there for just a second, and I want to outline some of this before I get over into the message. David was a great king. David was a great warrior. And David always, you would find in reading the Bible, he led his men in war. He was a leader of them. He led his men in war. But I just read here that when he went out to war, do battle, that David tarried still at home. Keep that in mind. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, listen to what started happening right here. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elim, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. Has anybody figured out what was going on with David? David, as great a king as he was, 
greater man you know as he was, he was still human. He was still human, and we're none above temptation today. We're none above sin today. Amen? And so David, and you think, well, David was a great king, and the Bible said David was a man after God's own heart. And David was. David was a great king. He was one of the greatest, if not the greatest king that ever lived. So we can see here that he was the greatest men can fail sometimes. And so we see here, and the woman conceived and sinned and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite, and Joab sent Uriah to David. What do you think that David was up to right now? What do you think the devil was up to and David was up to? Uriah was a great servant of David. He was out there putting his life on the line for David. And for whatever reason, David did not lead his army as he usually did in all other kings. But when he stayed there, he woke up, got out, walked out on his porch, and he saw a beautiful woman. And the Bible would describe Bathsheba as one of the most beautiful women in Israel. Now, Uriah just had one wife, but how many wives did King David have? He had many, many wives. And so here, but David was tempted with lust, and he sent and he called for Bathsheba to be brought to him. He lay with her, he committed adultery, fornication, and then he sent her back home. And David thought everything is going to be all right. He thought everything was going to be all right, but everything was not all right. Let this be a warning, church, to us today. You cannot cover sin up. But what did David start doing? What you, how do you think David felt when Bathsheba told him that she was with child? My husband's fighting in a battle for you, and this child is yours. How do you think David felt then? Don't you think the devil went to work on him right then just like the devil does all of us? We don't want to know it. We don't want nobody else to know it. And David didn't want nobody else to know it. He said, oh God, he said, I'm the king of Israel. If people find out what I have done, they're liable to crucify me or at least throw me out as being the king so the devil started helping David, and David started a plan in motion. Uh, and the longer he went, the worse he got. And he sent Joab a letter and said, Send Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to me. And so Joab sent him to him, and, and he went in, and he began to inquire of how Ahab was doing and how the army was doing. He knew how it was doing. Uh, he was just wanting Uriah there to get him to go home and sleep with his wife and then nobody would never know that that was his child. Somebody help me preach this morning. It's going to hit bottom here. I done told my elders they better put a seatbelt on. And I told them, I said, you know, the only one that gets mad at me when I preach is the one that's guilty. Amen? And so Uriah came, and David began to inquire of him, and then he told him, he said, well, you've had a journey before you go back. He said, here, he said, you go home and lay with your wife. You ain't seen her for a long time. Paraphrase here. 
and then tomorrow you can go back out onto the battlefield. And the Bible said that Uriah went out from David's house and a mess of meat followed him and David thought, boy, I have got it made now. <laughs> they just think, I've got it made now. How many times have we done something and covered it up and thought, boy, nobody's not going to never know about this. Oh, God, things done got quiet. I thought this would be a hallelujah shouting sermon. And the next morning, one of his servants come in and said, Uriah didn't go home to lay with his wife. He slept outside your door with a servant. Can you imagine how nervous old David got then? Oh, my God, I've got to come up with something else. I've got to go to plan B. So he's sending him in here, and he sent him in there, and the Bible said he got to drinking and got him drunk and thought that would encourage him to go home and sleep with his wife. But again, he went out, and he didn't go home. He said, how can I go home when the army is down there a fighting in the ark and all of that is in, in jeopardy? How, I, there's no way, David, I can go home and lay with my wife and enjoy myself I need to be back out there with them. And the Bible said, that he said, well, then go back to there, but let me write a letter and you take to Joab. And the Bible said David wrote a letter and telling Joab, Joab, which was a captain of the army, said, you take this letter, Uriah, and give it to Joab. Now, he had a lot of confidence in his servant, Uriah, not to open that letter. How many of us have been nosy and had to emptied it and see just what he was sending the letter saying. And he took the letter back and the letter said, Ahab put, put Uriah on the hottest pursuit of battle. Put him on the front line that he may die. And Joab did that and sure enough he got killed and he died. And David thought, boy, now everything's covered up. My sin is covered up, Billy. Nobody will know anything about it. Nobody will know nothing about it now. And the Bible said that he took Uriah after the days of her mourning, took her and brought her to his house, and he took her to be his wife. And he thought, boy, this will really look good now to all the people that I feel sorry for her, and I married her, and I'm going to take care of her. That's what he thought. But over in chapter 12, and I'm going through this hurriedly, and in chapter 12, the next chapter over, and even though he had it covered up from all Israel and everybody else, they was one he didn't have it covered up from. One he didn't, and listen to what the Bible says. And the Lord sent Nathan, who was Nathan? Nathan was a prophet. <laughs> and the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city, David. The one was rich and the other was poor. Of course, this was an illustration of David and him king had everything, more than he needed. And Uriah just had one little hue lamb. He used a lamb signifying what he was fixing to happen. He said, but the poor man had nothing the rich man had exceeded many flocks and herbs, but the poor man had nothing save one little hue lamb which he had brought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him 
talking about Bathsheba and Uriah, and with his children he did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's, listen to this, and David's anger was kindled, was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity on this man that had the one sheep. And notice what Nathan said. And Nathan said unto David, David, he said, Thou art the man. Thou art the man. You're the man that done, done this. You thought you had it covered up. You thought everything was just fine, David. Uh, but you forgot about one thing. You forgot about God, your God. And your God has got an all-seeing eye. Your God has said, this is the end. This is time that something's got to be done. Uh, and the Bible said that David was greatly grieved after that. And let me tell you something. There is consequences of sin. Hey, man, it doesn't matter. It does matter that God does, if you repent wholeheartedly, God will forgive you uh, if you don't keep on doing sin over and over and over. That's called willful sin, and then there's no forgiveness uh, for head. Uh, and so David, uh, just like you and I today, even though we may sin, uh, a great sin, uh, which all sin is sin, and no sin will enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, and so, but we, sometimes we, even though we sin, uh, and God forgives us for it, uh, there's, still, uh, there's still a price that we have got to pay. Amen? And it's not that God don't forgive you. It's sometimes uh, that God, uh, 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 all of your life that you had planned for and what you had been doing, a lot of times it will come to end and you'll have to start over a new life and have to then start listening to God. So listen what after he said, he said, Thou art the man, uh, and, and uh, the man, uh, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered uh, thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives unto thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, God said to uh, I said, I would have, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Uh, therefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight. Uh, God said, you chose to do evil in my sight. Uh, thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword... Uh, shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite 
to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wife before thine eyes and give them unto the neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in thy sight of this son, for thou didst hit secretly uh, but he said, because thou, David, done this thing secretly. But listen to what God said. But he said, I will do this thing before all Israel uh, and before the Son. Uh, let me tell you something uh, today, friend. Uh, you can't cover up sin from God. Uh, he will forgive you of your sin. Uh, but I said a while ago, you've got to take responsibility uh, for the sin that you commit. Hey, man, somebody help me preach here a little bit. And David, and notice what David said. David had everything. David had all the wives he needed. He had all the sheep. He had all the money he needed. He had all the land he needed. He had everything he needed it, uh, needed and more to go with it. He didn't have to take uh, one thing Uriah had that he loved, the one and only thing uh, that he loved besides God, and that was a wife, uh, and he, he was tucked that, and you see what the price uh, that he had to pay right there. He said, you've done it in my sight secretly. Uh, he said, but David, I'm not going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you to all the world. Uh, he said, I'm going to take your wives. I'm going to take everything. Uh, he said, the sword will never depart from your house. And even, David, the temple that I chose for you to build, uh, you're not going to build it. David had done started in. Gene Dale done started in. Uh, hey, man, uh, sending and getting timber to build the temple of God. Uh, and he said, you will not build my temple because uh, of the blood is shed upon your hands. Uh, but he said, your son, uh, I will give it to him to do the job. And he gave it to him to do the job, and he done the job. Uh, but David, after he was confronted with his sin, uh, he just like a whole lot of us, praise God uh, today, he just like a lot of us, uh, David would kept that sin covered up as long as he lived, uh, but sin will come to the front uh, sooner or later. If you just keep sinning, uh, it just keeps growing the seed of sin in you, uh, and it gets to the point in your life uh, that you have lost your joy in serving the Lord. Uh, that's why I gave this a title this morning. Uh, and you, what was the title of it? Uh, ha ha have uh, restored my joy. Uh, and so after, and and I started to say it just like a lot of us. Uh, we will not con we will not confess our sins. Uh, we will keep them hid. Uh, some little sin, Tracy, we'll keep them hid uh, until we're confronted with him. And then he comes out, and then we're sorry that we've done it. We never say we're sorry uh, as long as it was covered up and nobody knowed about it. But when it comes to the front, then we want to start apologizing uh, and saying that we're sorry. That's what David did. Uh, and over in Psalms 51, uh, after David was confronted and his sin was brought to him, uh, this was a prayer that David uh, uh, began to pray. And he said, prayed, O God, uh, oh, have mercy upon me, O God, uh, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Uh, blot out my transgression. O God, blot out what I've been doing. Uh, just blot it out. 
Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. Amen. There's nobody can cleanse you of your sins but Jesus Christ. And if you don't repent of your sins, then He cannot cleanse you. And if He does not cleanse you, you will burn in hell this morning. You say, preacher, that's stout stuff. It's the truth. It's the truth. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. We all need to hear this this morning. And David said in verse 3, he said, For I acknowledge my transgressions, my wrongs, my life, and my sin is ever before me. Some people will tell you when they get caught up with, Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Let me tell you something this morning. Can I come down here and preach a minute? Let me tell you something this morning. When you sin, you know you sin. And let me tell you something else. When you start covering up that sin and it starts growing, uh, it's going to come to the point that something's got to happen. So don't tell me that you didn't know this was sin or that was sin. Don't tell me that David knew he had sinned. David said there, he said, My sin is ever before me, and I know what I'm talking about, Sheila. Don't look at me so mean. I know what I'm talking about, uh, because I was a backslider one time and I sent it and I was covering it up just like David was covering it up with the same thing, just to tell you the truth about it. And I was lying about it and I had it all covered up. But let me tell you something, every single day of my life that I was sinning, I was pretending still to be a Christian, but I had not turned loose of my some sinful ways. Some of them, some of them I had, some of them I had. But he caught up with me. But I'm going to tell you something, church. Is anybody listening this morning? You can do better than that. I say, is anybody listening this morning? <laughs> I was guilty of it. And I'm just like David. When I started confessing, before I started confessing my sins, I'm going to tell you something. My sin was before me day and night. It was in here, it was in here. No matter what I done, I couldn't drink enough alcohol to drink it away. It just added to it. Flick. My sin was before me. And people say, well, I didn't know I sinned. Yes, you know you're sinning, hey man. When you sin and you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you, Tracy, right then and right there, that is sin. You better repent of it. Some people say, well, I'll wait till I go back to church or I'll wait till Christmas. You better not put it off when you sin and the Holy Ghost tells you that's sin and you acknowledge that it is sin and you know it's sin to start with. You better get rid of it right then. You better not wait to find a preacher or call the preacher and tell him, hey, pray for me, I've sinned. You better do it yourself right then. And David, he acknowledged his sin and he said, it's ever before me. Let me tell you something, Christian friend. If you're a Christian, you need to walk like a Christian, talk like a Christian, dress like a Christian, and be a born-again Christian. Hey, man, this morning, you ain't fooling nobody but yourself this morning. Hey, man, when you live any other way. Elders, you still got your seatbelts on? He said, for I got it. My transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, now listen, against thee and thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, Lord, that thou mightst be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Lord, I want you to be clear on this. I want to be clear on it. 
He said, Behold, I was shaping in my iniquity and in, the sin, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Boy, old David was getting humble then. Hey, man. Only the blood of Jesus Christ, and David knew that. Only the blood can cleanse us from our sins. Hey, man, it don't take an animal sacrifice anymore. It just took one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ that day on Golgotha Hill when they nailed him to that old rugged tree. Hallelujah. This morning, and then we come to church sometimes. And when he said to enter my house with thanksgiving uh, and praise, and we come to house and we sit down just as comfortable, and sometimes some of you doze off to sleep. Hey, man, let me tell you something. When he said to come in here, no wonder sometimes uh, I wondered about it, and this is why God gave me this message and showed me uh, this morning at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I was sitting in there reading it and studying it. Uh, when my wife got up and come through the house into the kitchen, uh, and the light was on, and she said, well, what did you leave the light on for? I said, because I've been in the Word of God. I've been reading, and I've been studying it. And she hushed, and she went back to bed. And God began to give me, I said, God, what, give me a text here. What can I go on, God? And that's why he gave me that text. He said, make me to, bring me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice again, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities, creating me a clean heart. Why? Because he had a filthy heart. Hey, sometimes our heart, we let the filth get back in it, uh, and we've got to go somewhere or another, Tracy, and get down in the woods, uh, squirrel hunting or something, other brother. we got to get down somewhere or another, uh, and we've got to call upon Jesus Christ uh, and let him wash that old filthy sin that we let get in his body this morning because sin will, sin, uh, will absolutely decay a clean heart. Sin will. And he said, then will I teach transgressors. Wait a minute, let me back up. Cast me not away from thy spirit and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. In verse 12, he said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. That's the message this morning. Sometimes, sometimes we noticed, I said we, when I've got two fingers pointing out here. If you notice, I've got six pointing back at me. So I ain't no saint. I'm no saint this morning. But the reason that we come to church sometime, I'm preaching to those of you in the back too, and sometimes the reason when we go to church and singers have a hard time and preachers, pastors have a hard time in the pulpit, you can look over the congregation and you can see that something is not right. Amen, brother. You can see that something is not right. And I asked God, said, God, what is it? He said, people has lost their joy. People have lost their joy. Somebody look at me, no, I still got my joy. Well, you don't act like it, and you sure don't look like it. You can stick your tongue out at me or make face, whatever you want to do. You ain't scaring me nowhere. I'm just telling you what God said. That word, that's not my word. That was God's word. He said, sin will decay the rest of your body. Sin will keep you out of heaven. All these people tried to change the word of God, 
They tried to change the word of God, Gene Dale, around where it'll suit them. Where it'll suit them. Well, God's not trying to suit anybody. God just telling you the way it is. He said, it's my way or no way. People say, well, I don't believe that God meant it. If God said it, God means it. Sin will take you to hell. Bottom line. But I see so many people out here that have lost the joy of their salvation. And I'll tell you what, sometimes we will allow people to work on our joy. We'll, we'll allow people to do it. Oh, things have got quiet. He said in Romans chapter 11, I believe it is, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, uh, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to the old world, but be renewed by the renewing of your mind every single day. We're living in a time, I know I'm in this world that you're in, and I know it's hard sometimes, amen? I know it's hard, there's so much going on, and, and, and it's clouding up our minds, it's clouding up the world's mind, it doesn't cloud it, and Satan has done got them, uh, got them blind, and just look what's going on all over the world. It used to be over in a third world country, now then we're a third world country because it's going on just as bad over here in America today. And I'm guilty. I've been watching too much news and wondering, God, why are you letting this happen? God's not letting it happen. They're letting it happen. They're letting it happen. People in the world hate Christians. They hate Christians. And they're ordering them to go out and kill Christians, kill the Jews, kill Americans. Somebody said the other day, well, they all get into it and they're going to destroy the world. No, they're not going to destroy this world. They didn't make this world. This is not their world. This is God's world. And God said, I will destroy it. And let me tell you, one of these days, friend, the trumpet's going to sound. The cloud is going to bust open. And Jesus is going to appear. And old Gabriel is going to blow the trumpet. And the dead in Christ is going to rise first. Uh, amen. And be caught up together in the air. Uh, and then those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up together in the air to be of the Lord. And so shall we ever be. And I want to tell you something. You better give this a whole lot of thought this morning. Uh, because if you're not ready to go, you're going to be left down here. And the Bible said, and then uh, the thunder is going to roll. Uh, and then the old, the old heaven... Uh, Hey, man, it's going to burn with fervent heat uh, and it's going to come down to this whole world and everything is going to be caught up and everything's going to be burned up uh, and you will not have a change. Think about it this morning. Think about it. The devil's telling people. He's always told them. He's still telling them today. He tells me all the time. Well, Jesus ain't going to come for a while. Matter of fact, he might not even come at all. Just go ahead and live anything you want us to do. He's on his way, Gene Dale. Every day is a day that we'll never see again. The Bible says Jesus, the Son of God, the one that died for us, don't even know 
when God's last day that we're going to have here. Not even the angels. Nobody knows. I know there's been people over the years, they got it all figured out. 2020, everything was going to shut down is going to be the end. And there was people believed these fools. You say, Rabbi, you ought to call them a fool. God said, they're fools. People run and they bought this and they bought that and they stashed it up in their basements and then holes everywhere, Tracy. Guess what? 2000 coming at midnight and at midnight we were still here. I heard the other day a guy talking, supposed to be a professor or something, and he said he had it figured out. And he started telling all this. I just turned him off. I said, you fool, you ain't got nothing figured out. Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Have you lost the joy of it? I've never seen, and I'm going to say this, I've never seen as much hate in the world as I see today. I'm talking about in some families. I'm not talking about yours. If it's in it, it's in it. But I'm talking mainly to those that profess it to be Christians. Now, I want you to notice David went ahead and said, Restoring to me the joy of my salvation. David hadn't lost his, David hadn't lost his salvation. He hadn't lost his salvation. When God puts his Holy Spirit in you, and he promises, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Now, you may leave me and you may leave God this morning, and you may die and go to hell, but that'll be your choice because God will still be in here waiting for you to come right back to him. Has anybody noticed there's not the joy in the churches like they used to be? We've got a lot more than a lot of them, God. And I'm not bragging and boasting. I mean, people, pretty good bunch of people here. But we're not exempt from it, and we lose our joy sometimes. What about you this morning? Have you lost your joy? Have you lost your joy this morning? Y'all get a song.